0: Do babies have a natural instinct to sleep?
1: Getting a better understanding of what my partner needed and what my children really needed, that's made a huge difference. Yes,
0: yeah. otherwise I can get a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, I think lots of parents can relate to yeah. that. You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt. Two years ago, Australia was experiencing one of its best years ever for farmers. Not that you'd know it now. Many farmers across the country, particularly those in southern Queensland and New South Wales, are in the grips of a crippling drought. For most of the population, the drought is something we're aware of, but it doesn't really affect us day to day. So how can we help farmers through difficult times? Joining us in the studio is Wayne Thompson from Rural Aid. Hi, Wayne. How are you? How are you? Um, Talk to me about what's happening for families um, who are out experiencing the drought, sure. what kind of impact does it have on them?
1: Look, can I just correct one thing you said earlier on, that it's not impacting us here in the cities? It's starting to, and it's a really about to. Right. Um, in that uh, a lot of dairy farms are down to around half production. Uh, lambs are almost unavailable, uh, so you know the price of lamb will, will go through the roof. Beef is becoming you know much short supply. When, when a farmer sells 1,200 sheep for $1,200, there's not a lot of bright, you know, sunshine on the horizon, you know, as far as the economic um, impact. And uh, so we've actually been contacted by some of the restaurants here in Sydney, for instance, who are starting to feel the impact with some of their suppliers. And they're saying, wow, how can we help this situation with these farmers um, because it's now starting to touch us um but to get back to your to your question you know these families in the bush it's very tough you talked about, you know, two years ago with some good times, wasn't really across the board. Uh, One lady called me earlier in the week from just outside of Tamworth, and she was very upset because one of the morning television shows had mentioned that with this rain, the drought was over. And of course, it was a very foolish line, and I think it was made by a a very junior journalist. Um, But this lady was just devastated. She's in her seventh year of drought. And that's seven years without significant rain. Now, some children in Queensland, for instance, out west, have never seen rain. An eight-year-old child has never seen rain fall from the sky. Now, that's hard to believe, but that's the reality of some of these families. Uh, And some of them, yes, are doing it very tough. Not everybody. Uh, There's 26,000 farmers here in New South Wales. Four and a half thousand have put their hand up and asked for help from us. Um, so some are doing okay where there's irrigation or where they've got access to water. But for those that aren't, it's, life is, is very tough.
0: And I can imagine children are like sponges. You oh, know, yeah. They can sense when things aren't going right. As a city dweller mm. for, most of my, for all of my life, mm. um, one thing I've never been able to get my head around is how um, farmers manage the... Um, unpredictability yeah, of yeah. their yearly yep.
1: yes, production.
0: They can't control the no, rain. They can't control the rain. And so I've, I've just, it boggles my mind. How do parents in this situation yeah. plan and keep going for yeah. the future if they've had seven years of drought? Let,
1: let me tell you a couple of stories. And, and one young lady you know, called in, we had delivered them some hay and, and some, some food as well. And she called in through her tears to thank us for the food. She had two children, there's four of them in the house, and they had three packets of pasta and a bottle of tomato sauce. And that that had to last them eight days. So, uh, you know, others where we've sent gift cards for, for grocery stores have rung up in tears because it's the first time they can remember purchasing food themselves because they've been eating food hampers and, and donated food. Some of these families are really struggling to be able to not turn a tap on because there's no water in the tank, or to drink bore water, which, uh, as if you've uh, ever smelt it before, it's, it's not pleasant. <laughs> no, it's let alone not. having to drink it as well. That's so like a some,
0: division of
1: almost look third world. And it's just up the road. Like, we're not talking, you know, in Central Africa. We're talking two or three hours west of Sydney here. And we're delivering hay to Oberon. Uh, you know, we've got farmers in Picton, you know, asking for assistance as well. Very close to home. Uh, obviously, out west, Lightning Ridge, Broken Hill, you know, even west of Tamworth there, it's still devastatingly dry. Uh, no, Not a blade of grass, just simply dust. And so whatever rain does happen to fall, it simply washes the dust and the topsoil away. So it's not a great solution. Uh, but... Certainly the rain that has fallen in some parts of New South Wales is you know, it's very grateful. Um, it, it makes very little difference you know, to the outcome of the drought. Coming into summer now, very tough. Very, very tough times ahead over the next few months. And, and for families, especially young families, one young family just outside of uh, Cumnock, just near Orange there, two little school children each morning, 8 and 10, hop up with Dad and they count the dead sheep before they go to school. I'm a 56-year-old grandfather, and I can't imagine that. I can't imagine doing that myself, let alone some of my grandchildren doing that, and then having to deal with that throughout every day.
0: We'll come to how you actually support families psychologically in a moment. But let's talk about what's sort of front and center of people's minds Mm. now, which is donations and how they can help through giving. You know, I know my daughter had a farm at David's yeah, school, yeah, dresses dress a farmer, a farmer absolutely. you know, it's cool. um, and, and that's happened that ha- there was kind of a surge of yeah, interest and a yeah. lot of donations coming in. Yeah. There are lots of places that you can donate money. Yeah. How do we make sure that we're getting the money to the right place? And yeah. then that money is yeah. getting to the farmers. Look,
1: It's very tough. Uh, there's a lot of press at the moment, you know, over that topic. And, um, unfortunately, n- uh, well, Look, I can only speak for ourselves. We're working seven days a week, 12, 14 hours a day to make sure that money that comes in one door goes out the other door. Uh, We've been very fortunate to be able to purchase a lot of hay from Western Australia and South Australia. Now, by a lot of hay, I mean 5,000, 7,500, 10,000 tonne of hay at a time. Uh, so we're not talking a few bales here or there. We're talking you know, non-stop road trains for the next three months. And so we've been very fortunate there because of the overwhelming support that we have had as a charity from corporate Australia right down to little Jimmy at school with his $5 you know, for a farm a day. And every cent makes a difference. Let me tell you one story. My wife works with me in the office there and um, she took a call from this beautiful 94-year-old farming widow. And she said, look, I was the wife of a farmer. She said, you know, I've been single for a very long time. And she said, I don't know exactly what they're going through. I've been through many, many droughts myself. She said, but at the moment I don't have any money. When the pension, my pension comes in on Thursday, I'm going to walk to the post office and get a $40 money order and put it in the mail to you because I know that they need my help. And as well as bringing tears to our eyes and lumps to our throats, it was just such a beautiful representation of someone that knew what these people were going through and knew what it needed to be fixed. Now, we can't make it rain, no matter how much money is donated and how many, you know, things that happen. And we've had, I had one chap on the phone one day that was going to do this rain dance and he was sure it was going to rain. (laughs) He just wanted me to get him on television. I said, well, look, if you make it rain, I'll make sure they know, you know. And there's some lovely people out there, and it's just overwhelming. And and really, you know, I I want to assure people that because of the support of some of our corporate friends that we have, every single cent that people donate now goes straight to the farmers. And whether we're delivering hay, whether we're delivering food, vouchers, you know, for local supermarkets, fuel for their cars, uh, water for their tanks, you know, or mental health support, you know, through our counselor program. Um, it's, It's a really wonderful position we're in as a charity at the moment that every single cent goes directly to the farmers now not everyone can say that everyone has overheads Um, you know offices cost money and and, you know to run a program does cost money but we've been fortunate with some of our partners like Woolies and and, and Qantas to have those overheads covered and so that when mums and dads donate $50 or $10 or $100 they can be assured that that will buy hay that will buy food that will buy water and so on.
0: You're listening to Kindling Conversation. I'm speaking with Wayne Thompson. He's the general manager of Rural Aid, and we're talking about the drought and how families are affected, um, particularly in southern Queensland and New South Wales at the moment. And talking about, you know, continuing um, the continuing need beyond mm. the initial surge of reaction yeah. to the drought because it's ongoing yeah. still. And and as Wayne was saying, heading into summer, it's going to be even harder. Um, talk to me about the the counsellor support that you mm-hmm. have. You mentioned earlier about those children mm-hmm. counting dead sheep yeah. before they go to school. Yeah. I can't imagine the impact that no. has on them, let alone the stress from yeah. their parents, etc. Yeah. How have you addressed that, and and what's happening?
1: Look, it's it's a huge need. It, it, it's massive. We uh, we only started the counsellor program on the first of July, and we intended to have three or four on board by Christmas time. Uh, went out to eleven, and and really. It's it's because we have been able to, a lot of them have been funded by different organizations, which has just been wonderful. And that continues. And so The idea with the councillors is that they're literally on the ground. Um, They're there talking to the farmers and their families, having a cup of tea. Um, One of them had a a very traumatic experience recently where they arrived at this farmer. And when they do, they have their tea and coffee and some biscuits and some milk. And they went to the fridge and opened the fridge to put the milk in, and the fridge wasn't even turned on. And in the fridge was a can of no-frills baked beans with two spoons in it. That was it. That was Mm. the food. And so very, very tough Um, and, and you know, very... Uh, tough for people like us, you know, that are dealing with these guys on a daily basis. We, um, we sometimes need counselling ourselves, you know, to be able to, um, to get through some of these very tough conversations uh, that we have with these people sometimes.
0: We're talking about what is happening now and what is likely to continue happening, mm. especially with climate change and yeah. the future there. Um, there was a recent article in The Conversation that was suggesting that... Um, Drought relief and donations can contribute to the idea of a farmer as a victim nar- narrative. I think basically what they're trying to say is that those donations will be propping up farmers instead of finding a long-term solution to drought. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that?
1: It's, it's very tough. Um, obviously, farmers are... Uh, um, historically very right, right wing um, and uh, you know I, I have conversations with both parties and I stretch my arms out and I feel that one party is so far left I can't reach there and the other party is so far right I can't reach there. In Brisbane our CEO is meeting with Landcare and uh, we're hoping to forge relationships with with organizations like that to be able to look into the future and say what should we just to start a conversation And if we can be part of that process, that's not our core business. You know, we're we're there to help people when they need help, not judge them or ask them how they got in that position, but to give them that helping hand. Um, But we also would like to use our our current popularity uh, with the media, which is wonderful, to be able to start that conversation somehow and say, what should we be doing? What could we be doing now to minimise the risk? Will there be another drought? Absolutely, there will be. Will it be a shorter cycle or a longer cycle? Who knows. But if we can be doing something now, maybe we need to be planting more trees. Maybe we need to be looking at permaculture. Maybe we need to be looking at some other farming process. Which, and maybe you know, we need to drag one or both of the parties to the table, you know, to start this conversation. But I really think it's it's very important that we do. Uh, I think for the future, not just of of the farmers, but of, Of the nation as a whole, Um, you know, we have this little saying, you know, within our organisation that we do what we do because we need them. We need farmers. Um, I had breakfast this morning. It was provided by a farmer. I'm wearing leather shoes and and woolen clothes. They were all provided by farmers. We we can't do without farmers. So there's no point in alienating them, you know, to one side and and, and not including them, you know, in in part of of the conversation. And so we've got to bring all parties to the table with some common sense and very level-headed thinking and say, what could we be doing? What should we be doing?
0: Do you think part of the, the problem with, I mean, obviously you had a a big response in Mm. terms of donations. People have rallied to the cause. But just listening to you speak now feels to me like the city and the country has possibly never been more divided because we can all be focused on this area. We get what we need from the supermarket. We don't see that it's come from the farms. We don't see what the farmers are going through. Do you see that there's that disconnect? Oh, look,
1: there certainly has been, and I I think always will be. Um, You know, we all live very busy lives, and, and I think what has happened in recent months it's made a lot of people sort of stop and think about someone else. And that's been wonderful. I mean, to have uh, you know, a group of volunteers, we just came back from Forbes last week where we had nearly 200 volunteers here from Sydney spend a week up in Forbes working on 15 different farms, helping the farmers. And, and it was just overwhelming. And, and I, I can say on the last day there were a lot of tears and a lot of hugs from both parties. The farmers with gratitude, you know, being so thankful that these people who they didn't know You know, ever Uh, but they gave up their week they gave up their time and money to come and help them and those farmers you know were very grateful but in return you know what those volunteers got was just you know life-changing and so some of the programs that we have uh, one's called Farm Rescue and we have volunteers that we put into farms to help them and just give them a helping hand it might be doing some fencing it might be doing some painting or just something practical Uh, but it's just some way of making that connection stronger uh, when schools here in Sydney, for instance, um, uh, El Noria, a Muslim school out at Greenacre, a wonderful bunch of kids, uh, they raised $20,000. Wow. And it was just overwhelming. And so there, you know, we, we want to connect them with a school in the bush so that the kids can write to each other and say, well, what's it like not to be able to turn the tap on? How do you have a bath in a bucket? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then hand it to your brother to have a bath in that same water. How do you do that? How do you get home and not be able to open the fridge because it's not even turned on because there's no food in it? How do you do those things? And, and that's where we're trying to continue that connect so that kids in the, in the, in the cities can realise that milk actually comes from cows. <laughs> It doesn't come from the supermarket, you know. Well, it does, but you know, before that, it came from a cow, or an egg came from a chicken, uh, or their bread came from a thing called wheat that grows in the in the paddock, and and the beef and lamb, you know, come you know, a bit of a sad one there. We probably yes, don't go right. there. Mm-hmm. Don't go. Get a few vegetarians. But, after that's right. <laughs> but you know, it's to make that connection. It's just lovely that we do have this opportunity now, in the discussion with the drought, to be able to talk about the connection with the city and the bush.
0: Before you go, um, what would be the best way that people can support farmers now?
1: Sure. Look, there's some very simple things. Everything costs money. Um, whether we're delivering hay or food or fuel or water, all of those things cost dollars and cents. So certainly to go to the Biobar website and make a donation is going to you know, make a massive difference. We have a very left field program called Gift of Music. And, and my wife and I run it uh, within the organization. And we have six very musical children and seven very musical grandchildren. And and what it is, is a program where we ask for you to look under the bed or in the cupboard. Have you got a guitar or a keyboard or a violin that you're not using anymore? And re-gift it. And uh, if little Susie out there and come knock before she, you know, goes to school after, you know, counting those dead sheep, if she wants to play the keyboard and goes to Farmer Tom and says, Hey, Dad... Can I get a keyboard? The last thing he can afford to do is buy a keyboard. But what difference would it make in that little girl's life to be able to get home and play a keyboard and just have that escape from reality? And so we're really wanting to do something with this program. It's called Gift of Music. Uh, The website is giftofmusic.org dot um, ha- have a look if you can help in any way. We've got people here in Sydney that can connect, collect those instruments in Brisbane and Melbourne and so on, and we can regift them to kids in the bush just to add a bit of life and and, and laughter and fun to their lives. Fabulous. It so like any, anything idea. like that, I mean, to be able to give that helping hand uh, will change a life. Brilliant. Wayne, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you very much. That was
0: Wayne Thompson from Rural Aid. And if you'd like to find out more about how you can help farming families, um, we'll include a list of resources on our website where you can find out more. Just head to kindling.com.au and search drought. You've been listening to Kindling Conversation. If you enjoyed it, there's plenty more where that came from. Find other stories and interviews at our website. Just head to
1: kindling.com.au.